Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. If you didn't already know, September is International Podcasting Month, and Tess over at RPG Casts and I Am Here has put together an amazing project of actual play one-shots and audio dramas from podcasters you know and love across the gaming sphere. I played in a game of Blades in the Dark that's already been released, and later this month you can catch me running a game of Love and Justice. New content drops daily, so head over to internationalpodcastmonth.com to listen and subscribe. This week, I chatted with Nolan T. Jones from Roll20 about their recently released Character Mancer. We recorded this shortly after its release in July, so maybe you've had a chance to explore this tool already. If not, Nolan takes us through the present and future plans for this addition to the Roll20 toolbox and how it's helping shape games for new and old players alike. Nolan was a guest of honor at Gen Con this year, and we talk a bit about it during the show. Anything I can find to link regarding those panels and his appearances, I absolutely will. Also from Gen Con is the OneShot Network panel, which is available on the site or in the OneShot feed if you haven't heard it already. It's the yearly check-in with most of the network hosts, including me, and it was amazing this year as we have so many new faces to welcome and get to know. Lastly, Nolan teases a project that has been released since we talked. That's the Burn Bright system from Roll20, and you can find that info in the show's links as well. Burn Bright is a collaboration between Cat Cool, Jim McClure, Darcy Ross, and James Intercosto, specifically for Roll20. Now that we're all caught up, let's get to the show. All right. Hey, heroes. This week, I am joined again by Nolan T. Jones from Roll20. And it has been, we figured, uh, about two years since Nolan has been on the show. So welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, For folks who don't know or have possibly forgotten, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, kind of where people might know you from? So I am one of the three co-founders of Roll20, which started at this point back in April of 2012. Oh my gosh. Uh, right. And I'm now the managing partner of Roll20. So it, I am responsible for the day to day operations and kind of the, uh, the growth pattern of where the platform is headed next and have been doing that for a little bit over a year now. Excellent. So you're kind of steering the ship. It's kind of. Uh, I've I've compared it before to it's like I'm driving a car that the brakes have been cut out on and I'm just steering <laughs> and hoping that I don't hit anything. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. You'll be great. Yeah. There's lots of excellent people who work with you at Roll20 to make sure the car doesn't hit anything. Uh, and if there's anything that I'm proud of, it is, it is definitely that, that uh, I, I feel like we've gotten a really good group of people and continue to add on to that. We actually, uh, starting... Somewhere mid-July, we will be up to 19 full-time staff members, and it's wild to think of the growth from like three of us uh, starting the thing to now all of these people who have joined in and are, are helping build it out, so... Yeah. And you guys are going to be at Gen Con, right? Which yeah. Just- uh, we'll, we'll have a, a pretty big, uh, pretty decent sized delegation at Gen Con. We also just sent a pretty decent sized delegation to Origins. And we've got a, an array of panels, including, you know, specific deep dives on the platform, stuff about the, you know, the, the social spaces and how to interact with folks. We, we best practices online to, uh, I've been named an industry guest of honor. Uh, which yeah. is a, 
a odd thing in my mind because I, I very much, uh, as I was telling you ahead of this, I feel like uh, I feel like I haven't properly been vetted by the industry at large because mm-hmm. they, they're going to put a microphone in front of me and I'm going to smart out about the state <laughs> of the industry in ways that people just aren't ready to hear out of somebody who's a guest of honor. Please, uh, I, please I, do this thing. <laughs> I still feel I, I'm very much a rabble rouser. I feel yeah. like so. Yeah. That's good. I'm I'm excited about that. They should they should definitely let you say things. I mean, they, they've invited me, and they haven't yeah. taken back that invitation yet. So they're they're getting it. I just don't know if yeah. they understand. What they've asked. For. Well, and and then they they so we have a group panel, which is all three of the the industry guests of honor, which is uh, Jordan Weissman and Anita Sarkeesian, and then we have a, a individual uh, industry panels, and mine is moderated by Tanya the Pass, who is oh, wow. one of my yeah, <laughs> like one of my favorite people in role playing. Somebody that I've taken a lot of cues from over the years in terms of of how to how to work with the tabletop community at large. And I am really looking like uh, she has very little filter for nonsense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, what's going to happen when you sit us in a room for forty five minutes and just say go and there's no one to stop us? Yeah, uh, maybe I'm overhyping this, but <laughs> I feel oh, like boy. Trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody listening, hopefully this is out soon-ish so we can all prepare our Gen Con schedules ahead of time for the excellence that's going to happen. But, but yeah, no, I was, I was going to add that if any time Roll20 folks have been at a con, all of the folks I've met, I've, I've just loved to, to death. So anybody who can uh, run into you guys at a con should definitely do that. And well, speaking of cons, you just got off of Roll Twenty Con yeah. this last weekend. How'd that go? Uh, this was the third iteration of it. Um, we were joined by Anna Prosser Robinson returning to hosting duties. Uh, she also mm-hmm. hosted in year one, uh, and it was good. I, I really like the. Uh, so we've done like a theme for both game masters and for like all the art that we commissioned in conjunction with it. And this year it was like a, a summer theme, and I really mm-hmm. like. Uh, Alex, our engagement manager who ran the show, I thought did an excellent job with like the artwork, the theme that we were giving out to game masters in terms of how to use kind of the fun in the sun thing. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the tone of it a lot and we raised a, a decent chunk of change for uh, Take This, uh, which if you're not familiar with them, they set up like the AFK rooms and stuff like that at oh, conventions. Cool. Yeah, they're, they're a really cool group and we're Awesome to work with. And then beyond that, you know, just had a, had a bunch of cool people buy for the streaming part and then had a bunch of people, you know, getting to play games online. And, uh, it's fun. It's, it's a really, it's odd to try to do a convention in the virtual space period. Uh, but I continue to like, it's something that was said in the opening ceremony this year is like kind of rule 20 many times, uh, pivots towards the idea of be kind and be weird. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like uh, we we do a good job at that, and the convention every year continues to be a a legacy of that. So yeah, we had fun, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I think it went well. And I'm uh, it's one of those things too that uh, I'm excited because there's always room for improvement, and mm-hmm. it, it's always fun to like have the energy of that coming out of something where everybody's sitting around. It's like next time we're gonna do this. Yeah, uh, that's fun. Oh, cool. 
So that, that's what your week sounds like it's been then is coming well, off of. <laughs> and, and then also, you know, a small update. Uh, when I say small, I mean, oh my gosh, uh, mm-hmm. a, a huge, ginormous uh, update to the platform itself that yeah. is, is always comes with plenty of bugs and fixing and hunting and merging conflicts and uh yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Well, we'll we'll pull the information out of you real quick, and then you can go back to fixing it. So when everybody yeah. climbs on, then then it'll be cool. So so yeah, part of part of that huge update that we're talking about is the character mancer, right? Which besides having a very cute logo, what is it? Yeah. So uh, and and props to I think it was Nick Bradley who did the the logo on that and trivia mm-hmm. uh, Fox who did the the organizing on that. It is very cool. So the character mantra is an idea that we've had for uh, probably a little over a year that we knew that in doing player style handbook and the, the easiest reference in this would be something like the Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook that we were super limited in the way that we were presenting and utilizing data. Like if you think about this, okay, you've got the, the player's handbook online uh, great. You've got a, you know, essentially a PDF. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what can you do with that? Uh, not a lot. And so we wanted to make a tool. And w- what's great about it is, and one of the reasons that this took so long was that our approach, as with everything with Roll20, was not just to make the solution for D&D. It was to make an overall organizational solution mm-hmm. for putting together pieces uh, that could be used to then spit out a result. And so it's, it's character building and character editing in a way that has not been done as broadly before. And so we, we've made this tool set and it's something that is available to folks who do things like program community sheets on Roll20 to start experimenting with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, we're going to use it in a bunch of different licensing ways, specifically for things that and I would use a, an example of like things that our game master in residence, Adam Coble, has done, like Dungeon World, or things that his uh, his frequent tabling buddy at conventions, Luke Crane, has done uh, with things like Burning Wheel. There's opportunity there to take what would otherwise be just a PDF of information and make it into an actual tool that helps you sort through character maintenance based on the the existing rule set. And there's a, yeah, like that opens up a whole bunch of really appealing windows to us uh, in terms of what we can offer. And and I think it also speaks to like the accessibility of the platform for people who have, like, I remember the first time I sat down with a fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons uh, player's handbook and tried to figure Mm -hmm. out how to make a character. And you just sit there and you're like, I don't know. Uh, And, you know, in fourth edition, Wizards had uh, that, that incredible uh, it, it regrettably made a Microsoft Silverlight uh, <laughs> character creation t- wizard. And it was great. Uh, it, it was the sort of thing that it took so much time out of it and just made it more about searching and selecting. And I, I think that what we're doing here um, is a really good version of that that's going to be able to be used in a, in a very broad sense across a whole lot of game systems in the coming years. Excellent. Yeah, so so what we're talking about, I, I played with it a little bit in instead of the, the the horrible dark times of copy and pasting from a PDF, which is I don't recommend. It, it's right there in Roll Twenty. There's drop boxes and and things you can click on, and it it changes uh, your your options based on the selections you've made already, and it's it's very smart and very uh, very easy. Well, and the the sort of logic you're talking about that was really the step that 
took a long time because we had to make the logic something that would like it, there's a uh, floating around somewhere in the documentation for this was like a first pass of what we thought every sort of metadata slot would need to be across every role playing game that we could think of. Oh God. Uh, right? and, oh, and, no. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but that was the sort of effort that went into this, you know, that, mm-hmm. that there was, this was not a, how do we make a simulator for a specific game approach? It was a, how do we make a funnel that will spit out the right thing? And while work has mm-hmm. to be put into massaging each of those individual funnels and not everything from a licensing standpoint came out, with the update that we just sent, you know, mm-hmm. we and the community are going to be able to use this to do all sorts of wild things in the future. And that's a very exciting place to be in where, you know, you, you've got a new toy and you know, its potential is as big as this tools is. Yeah. And right now, uh, as it is, so probably when heroes are listening to this, it does uh fifth edition Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons, which you and I have talked about fifth edition stuff before. So this, this feels appropriate, but hopefully it will be doing more in the future. And aside from, from being a time saver, like why do we need this tool? Do you think? I think it's about player comfort and, and player and, and some of that even comes back to like so many things that we do in roll 20 are about giving a, a time saving to the game master. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it's about uh, empowering them to, uh, and I, I guess not even time saving because sometimes it's like an invitation to sink even more time, but effectively. Uh, <laughs> and, and that is you know, the amount yeah. of folks that I've seen saying like, I made 20 characters and I don't know when I'm going to use any of them since we started testing this feature is not insignificant. But, it, but it, yeah, it, it was really about, you know, sitting there and realizing that we didn't have something that was as player focused in this mm-hmm. area as we wanted. And so, I mean, we hauled off and took a little bit of of community teeth grinding Mm -hmm. in terms of not releasing a few things day and date with publishers because we knew that we were working on this piece and that it was coming. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, this is, this is a player focused splat book that's coming out here. We don't want (laughs) to, like we don't just want to release the uh, PDF light uh, drag and droppy version of this that we wanted something that was uh, significantly better. And I think, you know, it, we've we've done it, and and in that regard too, I think that this was a you know hats off to our coding team in the terms of like this was a very ambitious project, and they really sunk their teeth in and figured out like just the the idea storming on this was not insignificant, and it uh, I don't know I'm I'm just kind of blown away by the whole process of you know how, how like. I know that this was a long process, mm-hmm. but still the amount of stuff that we accomplished in that long time frame was whoa. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this and, and what it opens up for the future. Very cool. Um, since you and your team spent so long kind of building this framework with multiple games and, you know, game agnosticism in, in, in its concept from the beginning, do you expect um, new games to be added relatively quickly now that it's... yeah. So there's a, there's a few things from a licensing end that we're going to take mm. uh, a step on here pretty promptly that are in the works. And then mm. there, this will, so at this point we have actually put out into the world everything that a character sheet creator would need to start utilizing this. The, the things mm. that are going to need to happen is that we're going to need some better compendium data overall okay. uh, for things other than fifth edition. And so that is something that some of that will be licensing and some of that's open gaming licensing right. that we're going to have access to. 
And then on the flip side of that too, because it is a new tool, we are we are doing this with the community at a play your own risk space. And so we're asking people to take it slow and not uh, go and make their own you know, XYZ super character mancer over the weekend because we're still making some changes in terms of making certain that everything functions properly. But it, folks have already started playing with it. And when I say playing with it on this level, I'm not talking about making characters. I'm talking about, you know, like yeah. the, the tool set in the funnel. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're wrapping their brains around it very quickly and they see the potential for it as well. Uh, so it, you know, it's definitely going to be a, uh, a cart horse face off <laughs> in the next three months. Yeah. Uh, in terms of moving this along. Oh, and they, you know they, that's a good. I think that's a good position to be in, uh, and and very true to you know our development process through the years overall. Yeah, I think so. And man, super character mancer was my weekend plans, so I'm going to reevaluate. Um, oh no, <laughs> no. Um, but you you talked a bit about the licensing, which I'm curious about as I played with it, um, played with building a character and that's that sort of thing. There's all of the information that shows up to the right. You know, you've, yeah. you've got your compendium, you've got all this information. And it got me wondering, um, do I even need a player's handbook at this point? And if not, like, how does that affect how you license things, how you sell this to companies? I would argue yes. Okay. And uh, I mean, so, so I mean, there's still the system reference document mm-hmm. uh, realm of this, but at the same time, if you want to have everything, I think a player's handbook is going to be good. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it, that's one of those, you know, there are, there are plenty of people who get by, uh, on the, the freeware version of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I think very honestly, something that's important about these games and, and about Roll20 overall, like, I, I still remember very early on conversations with people saying, you know, well, I only use Roll20 for this because I don't really need everything you guys have. And we're like, that's the secret. Like, you know, like we're, we're, we're not here to, uh, to do everything. Yeah. You know, we're a tool set and you use what you want to within that. And, and I think overall, that's kind of the secret for a lot of, of role playing games is that they are a, you know, a set of guidelines, which you and your players are agreeing to as a contract to move a game forward and the degree to which you are concerned with the content of the contract is up to individual. You know, there there are some groups who care very passionately about the rule says this, mm-hmm. and you know, there's not a rule for this, and so we have to search to this guideline to get us there, or ask the creators for guidelines uh, in addition to the existing rules. And then there's uh, I'm I'm much more frequent a member of the rule of cool, uh, which Adam Koble would yell at me for being a proponent of very politely, but would still yell at me about, you know, that I'm not actually playing the dang game. Mm. He he hates the, oh, we had a wonderful session of Dungeons & Dragons last night. Nobody rolled any dice. Mm. Like, well, then you weren't playing Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) Um, And he's not wrong. Uh, But at the same time, I I think that that is something that, you know, to the individual group, this is, it's a platform. Sure. And it's a tool set to launch off of. And I, I think that that, you know, in in that regard, I'm certain people are going to do all sorts of things that require zero purchases uh, mm-hmm. to utilize them. Well, and, and in that regard too, there are other systems out there that there is so much system reference document information available that oh, once sure. their compendiums are up and running, why would you need to to buy anything uh, for them? And that's to to get character movement happening. 
so yeah, it's a, I don't know, it, it's one of those things that it's a balance, but as is all things in this place that we recognize, you know, not every part of this tool set is directly designed to make money. And yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, I definitely do too. Um, so it sounds like it's not necessarily a, a difficult, like a, a harder sell than on uh, for the folks that are you're trying to get licensing from. It just it sounds like it's sort of in line with everything else. Right. Well, and and I think you know going back a step, it, I think this gives us advantages, particularly with smaller publishers that are that are printing things that are less, you know, like less. Here's a set of adventures to go by, but you know, mm-hmm. here's a hundred page document that lays out kind of what this world interacts like Mm -hmm. that there was nothing there. You know, we've, we've stayed very much out of the PDF market thus far. Yeah. And I think in that regard, uh, the character master is kind of a tool to all these things that would only have existed as PDFs that we can now turn around and go, Hey, look, uh, we structured that in a way that's much more meaningful for the uh, you know for the majority of people that are going to interact with this game because the majority of people that are going to interact with the game are players mm-hmm. and I, I think that that gives us a a lot of new room to run in licensing probably too much room uh, mm-hmm. to run in licensing mm-hmm. and that's that's exciting because I, I do think you know you look at, at the things that we're choosing to stream on Twitch mm-hmm. and we're obviously into a lot of different games here. And to have a way, like, there's an element of which just saying, hey, go get this thing on a different website yeah. where we're not in any way commercially involved with it uh, is not as much fun as saying, hey, it's in our, it's on our shelf too. Yeah. And there's some cool things that we added to it on our shelf that make it even more meaningful and impactful. Hmm. So, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. It's a really good way to look at it. So this tool, I mean, it hasn't, of course, been in folks' hands very long yet, just mm, about 24 hours. Uh, right. <laughs> but how do you how do you see it affecting or, or being helpful to new players? I think the the ability to go and kind of be guided through that character creation process is definitely something that can take some of the the anxiety. And I mean, you're, you're still you're still having to make decisions. Uh, <laughs> somebody is- in yeah, somebody in this process was like, "This is not actually going to cut like this won't cut down things much for me at all because I'm still going to sit there and try to decide <laughs> whether or not I'm a dragonborn or mm-hmm. yeah." And and that's that's going to happen. <laughs> but I do think that it, uh, the allowance it has for quick character or I guess for streamlining the rules in a way that you can interact with them quickly is something that is very, very useful. And I think that we will see a whole lot of people getting a great amount of benefit from uh, very quickly. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited to yeah. add something to the hobby in this way that that's so directly like, you know, we're not the first folks to do character creation, but I do think that this is a particularly good character creation system and it's directly connected to a place where you can immediately begin playing with that character. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how that's going to affect how, how much they play and how, like, how quickly right. and how often, you know, that, that'll be a cool thing to, to hear more about once. It's been in use for a while. Yeah. I was just thinking about looking through how I tend to shy away from uh, in D&D magic users just because of how many pages of yeah. stuff there is. Figure so out your cantrips. Not, good luck. Uh, 
just not seeing the page count was very relaxing for me. That was that was nice. So well, and, and let us add uh, additional elements to the you know. So what we started off with was a uh, in the Dungeons and Dragons example is level one character creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's obviously more you could do there. Uh, sure, and that'll help more complex characters further along level wise in the future. And that's something that is also super duper exciting to be able to go. You know, it, I, it, I can't think of a, any role-playing group that I've been a part of that had a long-term campaign where we didn't have the moment where we went, okay, we need to retcon something to have a min-maxing moment. <laughs> like, yeah. we, like we're getting our butts kicked because we thought it was cool to have the double swords and <laughs> that doesn't actually work. So, you know, how can we, how can we get more effective? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, this is our training montage in which we went back and rebuilt our level 20 selves. So. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And I guess, yeah, that's that's kind of one of my other questions was uh, how this is good or interesting for players who have been playing for a long time. And that, that ability to go back and, and rework yeah. your character is cool. Do you think just seeing... Because I think once we've played a game for a long time, we sort of get stuck in things that we tend to, to do. So having like all of those options laid out in front of you as though for the first time, I wonder if that will encourage any... I think that's really astute observation. And I think it's true of anything data wise that if you, it's funny how putting data into a different container changes the message mm-hmm. for an individual. And, and I think that's, you know, that's absolutely true here in terms of, you know, it's not a, it's not even just having a sheet in front of you that you're, you're filling out. It's having a process that you're kind of walking through step by step that's affecting different areas on that sheet yeah. um, simultaneously. And that does allow a different gaming of the system. One, I think, too, it's something that overall the audience uh, these days, you know, so many people, I think, who are coming into the hobby right now are coming from playing Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or World of Warcraft, where, you know, they're they're sitting there playing with their strength and dexterity modifications. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, I think that there's an element of that that, I think there's always going to be a an argument to be made for how much fun it can be to sit there with the book and do it by hand. But I think that there's a, a crowd that if you force that to be their first experience is always going to be hesitant or at least anxiety overwhelmed. Yes. And, and this puts it into a different way uh, that, that takes away some of that, you know, some of the, the initial hurdle anxiety. Yeah. So. And one of the other things, as I was reading the updates about the character Mancer uh, on roll 20 site is there was, I, don't know, I think it was Soraya's post actually was talking about how the timing of character Mancer was important to you guys. Like, like putting it out now specifically seemed pretty important. I was, I wondered if you yeah, could talk about that. I think for us, it, it, it's a matter of that. It, feels overdue uh, oh, okay. like the, the the amount of folks that particularly for the the player's handbook have been sitting there and and, and going hey <laughs> when mm-hmm. um, is not insignificant and that's something that we you know we recognize I think that the the challenge there was that you know, we we internally and I shouldn't say it's just internally because there's definitely community members who feel this as well but Dungeons and dragons is having a incredible resurgence right now. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're definitely having a moment in time. 
However, there's a lot of different role-playing games out there that do a lot of different cool things, and we're a platform for all of them. Mm-hmm. As long as as long as it's not physics-based, uh, come do it with us. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, I think you know, internally we feel a lot of pressure to make certain that we are delivering for other systems uh, as well. And so while yeah. a, a lot of the external um, push on this was, you know, hey, get us the player's handbook for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, mm-hmm. a lot of the process for us was, hey, make a tool that we can use to improve the state of a great many games on this platform going forward. Yeah, I, I appreciate that because most of us have, like, played D&D, but we play yeah. other stuff too. So. Well, and I think one of the things to understand is, like, we love D&D. Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's no ways uh, there's no other way to put it mm-hmm. like other things too mm-hmm. and that's okay you're allowed and, right and and other people you know that was something very early on in the community management side of roll 20 that i'm really proud of is that we we learned very quickly how to kind of talk through the idea of like your game is your decision mm-hmm. um and and the idea of like we didn't allow addition wars on our forums that we said, you know, if you want to play this, play it. Yeah. And if you don't want to play this, don't tell us why you don't want to play it. <laughs> like, just go play something else. Uh, don't pass the judgment on what others find enjoyable. And it, I, I do think a lot of that comes from the three Roll20 co-founders. We loved fourth edition. Uh, you know, it, it's a, yeah. it's a odd tactical game that isn't mm-hmm. really role-playing, <laughs> but it's a blast. And uh, you know that it, it helped us make the transition from video games into role playing. And when mm. people were there, you know, well, it's not a second edition. Well, I don't, I don't care, like, right? Uh, second edition still exists, right? Like you can go play yeah. that. And but and I think didn't the, come to their house and steal their books, and, right? And, yeah. and it's an ongoing. And you know, I feel this way about you know, kind of the industry at large is that there's there's so many different things that we you know, like. I, I talk a lot about how much I love. Uh, have you ever played The Quiet Year? Oh yes. Yeah, and that—that's an experience that yeah. is unlike any artistic medium I have ever interacted with. And and I I want people to be able to have that and understand that it's okay that that's not D and D scheduled to be you know multiple nights in multiple you know that that's a you know, have one night and at the end of it, have yourself a good cry about the experience you just had. Uh, and I, I love that and want there to be more of that. Yeah. You know, I think I've only ever played The Quiet Year on Roll20. Huh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's a very good experience. It is. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one that uh, I, I actually did the, the card conversion myself for that because I, I love oh. that game uh, that much. And if yeah. uh, for those out there who don't understand the degree to which I hate doing some of the organizational <laughs> efforts in Roll Twenty. Uh, that was that was something that was it, very important to me to have other people get the opportunity to experience because I, I really I feel very passionately about what that game has to offer. Yeah, and, and I, I want to kind of spread that. You know, as I was talking earlier about the things that we're playing on Twitch and the other experiences that exist out there, uh, I want to facilitate more of that. I want more people being able to do different things that, that kind of expand, you know, like the, in my mind, so much of the idea of role-playing is you're, you're, you're getting to interact uh, as 
as not yourself. And you know that, that that's not a license to just do anything or to be a jerk, but it is a license to explore with other people in a in a place where the the safety rules are are different and agreed to in a different fashion. And I I like that, and I want more of that in the world. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, me too. Yep. Uh, okay. One other thing I was thinking about uh, mm-hmm. you when you were talking about people building with the character mancer tools. Um, yeah. We've we've got that ability to build custom character sheets. Something right. that I I have played with myself is the idea to be able to to package those together right. eventually. Like so. Okay. Yeah. The the more stuff that we have offered, particularly as we get more uh, compendium data, there's going to be more and more opportunity for folks to to do things in their own method. And one of these days, the, the coup de gras on this becomes custom compendiums that allow you to really kind of go wild mm-hmm. with what your rule set is. I think the thing that we're, we're struggling with right now is, is I refer to it as the, the Hamler problem. Uh, yeah. if you ever heard the, the idiom that, you know, if you set a bunch of monkeys on typewriters, eventually one of them <laughs> will come up with Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, one of them will also statistically come up with Hamler, the exact same play, except the dude's name is Hamler. And I'm, I'm concerned about that with like fireball being uh fire tall, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. somebody going and intentionally doing, uh, doing damage to the things that are licensed out there. Uh, yes. uh, and that is, that is something that we're still trying to figure out what the best solution towards is and it i think that's tough because like fundamentally we're not big fans of of digital rights management overreach mm-hmm. uh i i hate so with this we actually launch a a new compendium sharing setup uh and it's one of the first times that we've kind of taken and put slots to an individual purchase mm. and it's the sort of thing i i'm I'm never enthusiastic about doing that, but we tried to do it in such a way that like the, the comparison I would use is like, we made it so you can't photocopy a rule book and leave the copies laying around. Instead, it's focused on, yeah, you've got a copy of this and you can share it with the people that you're actively playing with and also, you know, leave it at a friend's house for the mm-hmm. weekend. And that's the, the end ideal. I think for folks, and you know, it, I think one of the things that was interesting too in coming up with that compendium sharing process is that we ran the data and found mm-hmm. out, like, oh yeah, that's you know what the vast majority of people are trying to do. You know, yeah. they're, they're, the abuse case scenarios are very fringe, but yeah. there are those jerks out there who just like straight up want to make, you know, like they go buy something. And they want to make 20 campaigns that they share with a bunch of people and they have no intention to play in any of those games. They're mm-hmm. literally just trying to rip off folks. And it's like, what is, <laughs> what is your damage? Yeah. Uh, why, why are you, uh, motivated in this way? Uh, and that is, uh, that is something that there will always be, uh, attention with. But I, I think fortunately, you know, in the, in the reverse direction, something that we've so often seen, is that you know when we ask people, hey, can you help us? Uh, do you find value in this? Is it something that you are willing to pay for? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you willing to pay to you know share it specifically with your friends? Folks are into that, and they they want to find ways to support the the things that excite and interest them. 
And I like being able to give uh, that option and to, you know, and to get creators paid so they can keep creating. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> it is. Uh, and it's, it's wild, you know, in, in terms of, I was talking about, you know, things that I worry about. You put me in front of a microphone. Uh, <laughs> and kind of, I think that there's a lot of, that there, there are even publishers in the industry who are very guilty of this idea that, you know, it's a hobby and there's no money to be made. Um, and so, you know, it, well, if, in, if any money is to be made, it's me, the yeah. investor who makes that money. And mm. I'm going to get the, the rules made via volunteers and the art done via volunteers. And then I'm going to have the person who staffs the booth be a volunteer. And, 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 and I, I, uh, I loathe that. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that comes from just the, the personal experience of starting off in this industry. Um, and people saying, you know, well, this is not, this isn't a job. This is never going to be a, uh, a moneymaker. And was like, well, I'm hiring employee number 19. Uh, yeah. And that's just the full-time folks. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I very strongly believe that there is, a, a, I, I am a consumer. I pay yeah. for things that I like. You know, I, I think so often about <laughs> the difference in, uh, in anime in my lifetime in terms of access. Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the, Oh my God. Right. Right. Just- <laughs> yeah. And, and I've like very willing to pay for that. Like yeah. it's so enthusiastic to have a uh, crunchy roll and high dive and Amazon prime subscriptions mm-hmm. uh, to, to watch things across all of those services. And, and you know, that's something that I'm uh, it, I, I prefer that to, the yeah. uh, I, trying to figure out where to get the bootleg so, VHS. I was going to say VHS at flea markets. Like, yeah, like, like that's <laughs> you know, the the new Fooly Cooly started here recently, mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking back to like, oh yeah, I remember the VHS that we all passed around with uh-huh. you know, what? And and in that regard, you know, it, it, let me let me throw money uh, at the yeah. folks who are enabling that, and and I I think that overall um, most people agree with that, uh, that they, they want to be able to support, uh, the creators, uh, that, to, that they want to be able to be patrons of the art. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think it's about setting up responsible methods to do that and continuing to, to kind of champion that as an idea of like, yo, you deserve to get paid and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's good. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I, that's, <laughs> It's wild that that is a controversial opinion, but I am right there with you. Yep. So I had one more question that was not exactly about the character mancer. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of for me digging, digging through some of the blog updates and stuff. There was a while back an update about translation and accessibility. And I was wondering if that's something that you're able to to speak on at all, how that's going. So I guess to, to talk some about overall what we do with translation and accessibility um, first off, for translation right now, we use a, a tool that is called Crowdin, uh, which is also used by a whole bunch of different websites. I think we got onto it because it's used by Kickstarter and Reddit for localization. Oh, cool. And it, essentially what it does is that it, it identifies, you set up different hooks for the website to properly like fill in the blank and say, you know, here is this area of text and go and translate as you need to. And the part of that that has a responsibility on our end 
is appropriately identifying and setting up for that everything. Oh, like (laughs) so so the amount the amount of the website that isn't properly or that at one point was not properly set up is like this is a blank that would need to be refilled in. And it was just this was just text that we put here and we didn't properly put the hooks in Mm -hmm. for someone to be able to go and, and access that and make a change. That's that's the project, and uh, that it advanced um, significantly within the last year. Uh, Justin Ross, who is our UI UX, uh, is is incredibly passionate about all all manner of accessibility. You know, that we're okay. we are doing more for colorblindness. We are doing more, like our our overall accessibility standards continue to improve. It's one of those things. I think it's. I think it's always going to be a challenge with what we do uh, in oh, sure. screen, screen reading mm-hmm. and what Roll20 does are always going to be things that are difficult. Sure. But uh, it, it's one of those things like, I, I don't know, it, prioritizing that as part of the business growing forward. I don't know, it, it, it's a rewarding effort and something that we continue to, to try to find the best solutions to give the most amount of people our our guiding star is easy to use, right? And, mm-hmm. and part of that is translating uh, in different ways the platform for folks. And I, I think that we continue to to make progress there. And like this this site translation, the update efforts on our part to go and make certain that everything was accessible by the right web hooks for crowd in, so that. You know, the, essentially the, the volunteers who are so interested in making certain that the website exists in Korean uh, mm-hmm. can go do that. And that's, uh, that's wild. And yeah. something, something that has been a, I wonder how many, uh, it looks like we are sitting at 18 different languages oh, cool. uh, that the website has some existence in right now. And that is other folks chipping in and, and feeling that there's an import. In making certain that it exists, and that's one of those things too. I, I think in terms of folks getting paid and making things happen, uh, this ends up being a tight wire act. And it, it, to speak to this specifically in the area of like character sheets, so when we first launched character sheets to the community, I think that was 2015. Mm-hmm. Everything at that point was was community made, and something that we saw happen in that process was uh, that folks who were like, look, I made a fan project of this game I liked mm-hmm. uh, were suddenly kind of form tackled by people being like, do it this way. And <laughs> yeah. you know, now you're responsible for all time for updating this. And uh, you know, much, much mm-hmm. to our horror in the process. And so, it, you know, we have taken a more active uh, approach to licensing period to try to make certain that we are responsible for the upkeep of yeah. large sheets. And that's something that, you know, that's a, that is a higher high wire act because there are so many <laughs> games yeah. out there that need sheets. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, I don't think that our, our intention is ever to go, okay, well now we're not going to do community sheets, but in terms of making certain some of the large, you know, pillars of, that a large percentage of population is looking to play a particular game and that that doesn't fall to community member X to make certain that that uh, subsists across all of time and space. Right. Um, yeah. And that, that, that is a, 
things we didn't know we were getting into. <laughs> Surprise. Um, right. Uh, and that is a, a part of running a, a platform like this that is a, a you know, it, it truly is a platform that it's, it's, uh, we're not making the thing, we're presenting the thing. And there are so many things to present. <laughs> Yeah, and people just keep making more. Right. Why, why are people making more games? <laughs> could, you, um, could you just stop for a minute? Right, so we could catch up. And that's never going to happen. Well, and, and then on the flip side, though, uh, you know, we are making new stuff, too. And every time that we make new stuff, as, mm-hmm. in terms of what the platform can do, uh, the first question becomes to somebody, like a, a character sheet creator, is the, the language thing is a, is a prime example. When yeah. we launched with CrowdIn, uh, that we were doing the language stuff, we put out the hooks there for people to do character oh, sheets. Oh, yeah. And so, and then, so, you know, to update your character sheet so that now it functions with this translation stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, folks who didn't do that, there's community members going, hey, I want to make the French translation for this. And yeah. you have a setup that, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> uh, we made somebody else homework. Um, yeah. And that is, How dare uh, you? Right. And it, when it, and it's tough. And, the, you know, there's, I don't think that there's any, there will never be clear wins in that yeah. scenario, but you just keep on trying uh, best you can to kind of keep up with the, the needs in as responsible a manner as you can. Sure. As far as problems go, it seems like one of the better ones to have. Well, and, uh, you know, let me say, I, I have very few complaints about the, uh, the array of problems that we have is a pretty cool array of problems to have. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more that, you know, I, I am, uh, I think to me, it's more about like having sympathy for the folks who in this, you know, I, I, I think a prime example of this is, I think it was, we got the license to do, uh, the Modifius Star Trek game mm, last year. Yeah. And, and when we released the character sheet for that, there had been a couple different people who had contributed. And you know, one person was like, all of my work is now supplanted by the fact that Roll20 did an official sheet. And then somebody uh-huh. else in that process was like, I am so glad that Roll20 has done an official sheet because, you know, one, it removes some things I had to work on. And two, it yeah. means that more people are going to get access to this game. Yeah. And I, for, for my part, it's like, I want to, I want to recognize both of those are completely valid opinions <laughs> and both that we're just trying to get better every day and doing that in conjunction with the community. Awesome. That's really good to hear. And, and thank you for in, indulging that tangent. Uh, yeah. And is there anything else that we should know about the character mancer or roll 20 in general? I don't think about the character mancer in particular. I think uh, you know, in this update, there were a few other things that were were nestled in there. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a a visual overhaul of the character vault and our wiki. Um, we improved the uh, the WYSIWYG text editor, which is a, is a format of essentially text formatting mm-hmm. on Rule Twenty now is vastly better oh, uh, nice. than, it, than it has been ever. Uh, the mm-hmm. the library that we were using to do that was. Um, was really a pain in the butt if you've ever had, you know, like spacing, like, do I shift enter or do I enter? And will the spaces come out right and consistently? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, stop. <laughs> um, that's fixed. Uh, thank goodness. Cool. <laughs> and um, it, it, it's small things like, and things like that are always tough to figure out. You know, when do you update this? Uh, when do you set aside the research? Like, is that making us money? No, but it's a pain point And we would love for it to not be. 
but then the the other thing is we also added a a dice mechanic with this update that it uh, it allows you to do number of matching die and success or failure based on a target with that. Uh, it's been a while since we've cracked open the uh, the dice mechanics, and we did this specifically for a secret project that is coming up at the end of the summer uh, that I am very excited to start sharing with people soon. Um, and uh, this sort of thing that is a great podcast tease because, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be uh, – we, we've got some we, – we try very hard to uh, under-promise and over-deliver at Roll20. We, mm-hmm. we stay fairly quiet. And some of that is, I think, just in the time frame that we exist. There definitely is a, um, a gaming development entitlement crowd who is small, but mm-hmm. they are exhausting. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and if you say you're doing something, it's, you know, well, why aren't you doing this thing or why mm-hmm. aren't you doing it that way? And mm-hmm. 99% of the Rolls 20 community is really, really awesome and do- doesn't give us that headache. Um, <laughs> but in the, in the meantime, to uh, manage all of that properly, we definitely keep ourselves in a place where we work on a lot of things very quietly in the background until they're ready so that when we present something to you, it, it very much exists and there's, there's something tangible to interact with. Cool. And yeah, we've got some, uh, we've got a bunch of really cool, tangible things hanging out behind the curtain. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited for the rest of this year to you know, surprise. Look at yeah. what we did. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what it is, but I'm looking forward to it. This is cool. Where can we find you and Roll20 on the internet so we can see these surprises when they happen? So uh, Roll20 is, is all over the darn internet. Uh, at Roll20 app on Twitter is a good way uh, yeah. to find it. Uh, and Roll20.net is the website itself. And then I am at NolanTJ on Twitter. But if you're mostly into role-playing games, I, I, I caution. I'm not, a, I'm not a very good follow because all I talk about is anime and hockey. Hell and yes. just, yeah, there's just not that that sweet role playing content uh, <laughs> is not out there because I'm too busy under promising and over delivering on mm-hmm. on the project. So uh, yeah, instead you get to hear me rant about you know all the all the animes. What are, what are you watching right now? Uh, so I've been in a very Gundam place here recently, uh, okay. Universal Century, uh, okay. and then uh, current Darling in the Franks, which is odd. It, it's it's like I don't know. It's like Evangelion reimagined, uh, and it's got some some interesting. On and then my uh, my wife has me. Uh, she has never watched, and I was very happy to to rewatch uh, the Vision of Escaflone. Uh, oh. Boy, oh boy! I I know that that is an influence on me. But once you get in there and there's the talking dolphin people and, uh, the, you know, it's like the, I'm going to do a tarot card reading and then we're going to hop in the giant mech and beat the crap out of each other. It's uh, like, wow, this is so all of my nonsense uh, in 26 episodes. Uh, very called out. Right. Just constant. Just it, that, that shoujo to shonen mm. mash is, uh, is my place. And it's, yeah, it's really, really good if you haven't uh, seen that before. No, I think I may have seen a little, but I will have to add it to my queue. So what's, <laughs> what's in your queue? What are you? Oh my God. To turn uh, back to the interviewer. 
Oh no, my right. shame. Um, I am behind on lots of things. I I started watching the new Card Captor when it started airing, and then I fell off a couple episodes in. So I need to go catch back up on that. Is what I need to be spending my anime it, time doing. Is it good? I liked it. I mean, I watched three episodes, yeah. so it's it's it seems very in line with uh with the first series. Like it's a lot of it is uh feels samey, but like grown up a little because yeah. she's in middle school now. So oh, so it's actually a sequel. Oh yeah, I need it's a, a sequel. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's a whole new adventure. I thought it was a remake. Huh. New story. It is it, one of the things that is uh, difficult about the new licensing era is that there is so much to keep up on. Yeah. Um, and in that regard, I, I have become much more the uh, the manga. I, I do about 200 pages of manga a night. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And I, I really uh, like that is I've, I, I allow myself uh, a, a pretty healthy budget there to just go and get mm-hmm. all the digital manga that I want. You know, if it, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> fill the iPad and go. <laughs> and uh, that's smart. That, yeah, and it really is, um, I find, incredibly rewarding and time-effective because you can get through a whole lot of, you know, like, oh, this is the the popular show, and it's like, oh, there's a manga. Okay, now I've read I've <laughs> read that it. entire show, <laughs> yeah. and I know, you know what everybody's talking about. Hmm, that's a good point. I'll have to try it. Yeah. I'll have to try that. I haven't, I haven't read much digital manga, but... Uh... It's great. That's That's the other anime I was watching, is about girls who make comics and manga. So, oh yeah, what is the what is the name of that? I think it's just um, Comic Girls, which yeah. it's just one of those shows where it's like, oh look at these adorable like high school girls, and I'm like, all right, I'll watch that. And sometimes it ends well, and most times it doesn't. So there's been you know, a a whole renaissance of you know what New Game and uh-huh. Shirabako and, yep, and I, I, love I loved those. yeah Shirabako in particular was just a it's uh, so good it's so good the the uh, the voice acting sequence in the last few episodes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like oh, <laughs> like uh, that, that. That was a series that had so many emotional payoffs and was so consistently good in so many ways. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hooray! Yeah. Yay! Anime's great. It is. Uh, everybody, go play with Roll 20s new toys. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, watch anime, but yeah. it, combine the two. Uh, play play anime role playing game. No one can stop you. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this, Nolan. This was really fun. Uh, Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Huge thanks to Nolan for being on the show again. I always have so much fun chatting with him. And seriously, if you enjoy anime at all, definitely add Shirobako to your queue. And go try out the character mancer and let us know what you think. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at ModifierPodcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at ModifierPodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Warda is an original fantasy actual play podcast created by Allie Grauer and Drew Merzijowski. It's one part Game of Thrones, two parts Downton Abbey, served on the rocks with a twist of Agatha Christie. Discover magic, mystery, and more than a little socio-political commentary along the way. The city holds thousands of stories. What will yours be? To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at CatGreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.